0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Wolves. Today on the show, why Jaden McDaniel's offensive improvement was just as important to the Timberwolves this season as what he was able to do on the defensive end of the floor, or at least how much more important it will be moving forward for Jaden McDaniels. I want to focus a lot on the player review of McDaniels today, specifically on his offense. It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 at PrizePix with promo code On. That's PrizePicks.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully, you had a fantastic weekend today. We're continuing our season play review series with Jaden McDaniels. A lot to get to. I think he's a really fascinating subject for the show here today. First, though, a big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And uh, you can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at my account, which is at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. So Friday, we talked a lot about NBA awards. And specifically, I spent quite a bit of time on the all defensive, the NBA all defensive team uh, voting. And McDaniel's, of course, receiving some votes, but finishing. Um, not on one of the top two teams. Had there been three teams, he would have been a third team forward, if you will, finishing behind Giannis, uh, both missing the actual teams. So the focus with McDaniels is rightfully so oftentimes on his defense. And I do want to talk about that because this is after all season player review. So we're going to talk about the whole, his whole game, his entire season, some lineup data. Uh, some of the the B-ball index numbers related to his defense that we touched on a little bit Friday, but a little bit more in-depth today. I do, though, want to start with his offense because that's where he's shown the most, I would say, tangible improvement over his three seasons in the NBA. And don't get me wrong, he's improved defensively as well um, because I I actually think as a rookie, he was a little bit overrated. It was just more the eye test. Like, uh, our eyes could collectively, our collective eyes, if you will, I guess, as uh, Wolves watchers could be fooled by... McDaniel's length, athleticism, et cetera, because he would have those wild defensive possessions as a rookie, but the off-ball stuff wasn't as good. The fighting through screens wasn't as good. I think he's put on a little bit of muscle. He's, uh, you know, I think grown a little bit as well, and he's just simply matured and become a better NBA player, understanding what opposing offenses are trying to do. He's learned how to get through screens, et cetera. So I think the defense has improved over the years, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But to me, his offense has shown clear incremental improvement and maybe even bigger than that. Like I would say mini leaps from rookie to sophomore NBA season, sophomore to third year as an NBA player. Um, And there's a few stats that make that really obvious. Um, Let's start here. Let's start with shot selection because I I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, Jane McDaniels has actually shot less threes and more at the rim progressively each season. And... That is growth. Um, And and normally I wouldn't necessarily discourage taking three, and I'm not here either. I I think the point is his average, let's say it this way. His average shot distance has shortened each season. Um, There's the stat on basketball reference. As a rookie, his average shot distance was 16 feet away from the basket. Last season, 13.8 feet away. This year, 12.5 feet away. But of course, you could also shorten that by shooting more mid-range jumpers. Well, that's not the case with Jaden McDaniels. The way I decided to break down these numbers are as a rookie, he only shot 36.8% of his shots from within 10 feet of the basket. So just over a third of his shots were coming from within 10 feet of the basket. His second season, 46.2%. So basically a 12 point, or sorry, 10 point jump. Fine. That's good, right? And then this last year, 50.3%. So more than half of his shot attempts were coming from within 10 feet of the basket because we're seeing him put the ball on the floor, be decisive, and make a move much more quickly, again, with more decisiveness than he did his first two seasons in the league. Um, As a rookie, if you recall, thinking back to how he played as a rookie, so often he would get the ball in the perimeter and he would pump fake almost every, it feels like almost every time. I bet if we went back and we watched his rookie tape of him as a rookie, he'd catch and pump fake and then he'd either kind of like wait for the defense to get a little closer and shoot a semi-contested three. Or he would pump fake and drive into, a lot of times, a, a much tougher mid-range jumper. And occasionally, he would pump fake a second time. He'd pump fake, put the ball on the floor, get to about 19 feet, pump fake again, and then take a tough contested and, two, and oftentimes miss it. I mean, like, the numbers, let's see, what did he shoot? Uh, he shot 25% as a rookie from 16 feet to the three-point line, which that's not a good shot almost ever. But when you're shooting, when you're making it 25% of the time, just never shoot that, right? He also shot a bunch of threes, but he shot the ball okay from deep as a rookie, 36.4%. But again, it was more just like if he didn't shoot it right away, he was going to dribble into a bad shot. He barely ever got to the rim. Only 22% of his shot attempts as a rookie, basically 23%, came at the rim. And he, was, he wasn't he was great when he got there either, just 69% at the rim, which, which isn't a great number. Um, so we saw growth. Incrementally in his second season, and then another nice mini leap, I would call it this year. Again, more than half of his shot attempts coming from within ten feet of the rim. Well, the three point rate was down to let's see, uh, to thirty seven point six percent. And what I mean by that, not three point percentage, but the rate. So that means a little more than a third of his three of his shot attempts were coming from three point range. But the percentage was so much better. He was thirty nine point eight percent from three, and he was above uh, 40% for much of the season. He shot a little more than half of his threes from the corners instead of all the above the break threes that he was shooting as a rookie. By the way, only a third of his three point attempts as a rookie came from the corners this year, more than half of them, almost 51%. And he shot 42% from the corners. And again, 39.8% overall from deep. But the number of three pointers he shot was down because he was putting the ball on the floor, creating more. We saw the free throw rate come up to where it needs to be. Uh, well, not to where it needs to be. It could, it, It'd be great if it got higher, but he was up over 0.2, which means that for every field goal attempt, he he every field goal he attempts, he averages 0.2 free throw attempts. So another way of saying that would be for every five free throw, excuse me, every five field goal attempts, he gets a free throw attempt. His attempts per game, 2.8 free throw attempts per game, up from 1.9 last season and 1.4 as a rookie. So every single statistic virtually points to better shot selection. More shots at the rim, more free throw attempts, less threes. But not at the. But he's not shooting at the. Um, he's not shooting less threes because he's shooting more mid range jumpers. He's shooting less threes because he's getting into the paint more often and he's drawing fouls more often and he's being smarter with the shot selection. The percentage of shots he's taking from the mid range is coming down and that is a good thing. And the percentage, his shooting percentage from outside the arc is up and that's a good thing because he's shooting more from the corners. He's simply been a better shooter. Another way to look at this, his catch and shoot numbers. Um, catch and shoot numbers for Jaden McDaniels, it was actually pretty good on threes as a rookie. Again, he was like almost 37% overall. He was also 36.8% on catch and shoot threes. Last season, though, his sophomore year in the league, 31.5% on catch and shoot threes. 31.5%. He was all the way up to 38.6% this year on catch and shoot threes, which is a phenomenal number. Um, you look at the Wolves overall. And I talked pretty extensively at the trade deadline about how good Mike Conley is in catch-and-shoot threes. And that's the case, by the way. Mike Conley, after the trade, 46.3% in catch-and-shoot threes, after the trade. I was talking about the numbers before the trade, how much better catch-and-shoot he was than D'Angelo Russell on three-pointers. After the trade, Mike Conley was 46%. He was best on the team. Kyle Anderson was next. Then Anthony Edwards, Torian Prince, going down the line. Jaden McDaniels, though, 39% on catch-and-shoot threes this year. I'm sorry, that was not 49%. Or not, sorry, not 39%. He was better than that. 38.6%. Um, so I guess slightly worse than that. 38.6% on threes. I, I sorted by field goal percentage, not three point. It doesn't change the point I made a second ago, though. Mike Conley's still 46.2% on threes. Um, so that number is still phenomenal. And then Edwards, Anderson, Prince. And then Jaden McDaniels, 38.6% on catch and shoot threes this season for Jaden McDaniels, which is up about six percentage points from the year before. And again, he's shooting less of them because he's being more decisive. The assist rate is also up. The turnover rate is up, but only slightly. I mean, we'll take an incremental increase in assist rate, even if the turnover rate comes up slightly. Um, But across the board, the offensive numbers continue to improve, and that is where so many of the metrics and so many of the the advanced metrics, the advanced stats, love the improvement that McDaniels has made. I want to dig a bit more into that. Then we'll get to lineup data, and then we'll get to defense. We're going to do all that here next. Today's episode of Locked Out Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks every day at the NBA playoffs and all the way into the finals. One Prize Picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern, that's 7 a.m. Central will be randomly selected each day. Whoever places that entry will be given a 6-pick flex with the following payouts. 6 correct picks gets 1 million dollars, 5 correct picks $80,000, 4 correct picks $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com/million. You must opt in at that link, prizepicks.com/million to be eligible for the $1 million entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. If you're not familiar with prize picks, it's really easy to play. You just pick two to six players, and if they'll score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people either. It's just you versus the projections available. And it's really any sport. So, of course, the NBA, but also MLB, NHL playoffs, ongoing college sports. Uh, we get into football this fall. Any sport, you can find it at PrizePicks. Download the PrizePicks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 with your promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, they'll give you $100. If you deposit $50, they'll give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON at signup for an instant deposit match up to $100. A big thank you once again for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every day we continue the player review series. On Tuesday, we'll do Carl Anthony Towns. Wednesday, we'll do Anthony Edwards. Uh, later this week, I believe it'll be Friday's show. We got a big, uh, national basketball analyst on the show. We'll record that later this week. So I'll announce it once we're all set to go, but plan on that for Friday, a nice national perspective on the wolves. So get excited for that here later this week. All right. Let's talk about Jane McDaniels, put a bow in the offensive conversation, then transition into lineup data and some defensive talk. I mentioned a moment ago, the assist rate is up. Um, he was just 6.1% assist rate last year, 8.4% this year. Not like an astronomical number, in fact, still lower than you'd like it to be. Uh, But consider, he was your fourth option offensively this year, and it's still an improvement, right? I mean, you still had like Nas Reed and Torian Prince and Austin Rivers, guys like that that had higher assist rates. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, for instance, much smaller sample with him in a Wolves uniform. But it's still an improvement, and the turnover rate is still very manageable. It's just 12.6%. And I mean you're still talking about a guy who's seen his usage rate increase again, incrementally only 15.8% up a half percentage point from the year before. But if we're seeing the usage rate increase, it's not surprising to see the turnover rate increase. And it's great to also see the assist rate increase to see the free throw rate increase, to see the true shooting percentage increase, to see the effective field goal percentage increase. Because again, he's shooting the ball better from everywhere. He's making better decisions, uh, taking better shots, making more shots, everything about his offensive game is growing. And I know the comparison that Finch made before the season to, I think it was a Scottie Pippen comparison is crazy. But like, that's still the, like he's not going to ever, you know, be the, I don't think the distributor of, that Scottie Pippen was. I mean, but like the conversation defensively, like we're not, far off at this like honestly I mean remember this guy's 22 so like I'm not saying he's there now but like the trajectory that he's on he could very well be one of the best defenders in the entire league next season uh, there's a lot of people that think it was absolute robbery he wasn't on a defensive team and, and the argument I made on Friday if you missed that show is like hey if this was positionless I think he's one of the best 10 defenders in the league the problem is you've also got some really uh really good other forwards that were just ahead of him he might only be the fifth best defensive forward, but he is a top 10 defensive player in the league. He could be one of the top two or three next season. I truly believe that. The trajectory is incredible. And we'll talk about defense here in a minute, but the offensive improvement is very clear too. Um, and like that, it's so important. Uh, also, one more thing is that he's been a really good finisher too. Uh, and actually let's talk about some B ball index numbers and we'll get into this. We're we'll going to be ball index more on the defensive side of things as well. Um, but I, I want to highlight what he did defensively here. I lost my numbers here for a second. But what, what he did or excuse me, what he did at the rim this year. And it was actually the numbers are much better than I expected them to be in terms of uh in terms of his finishing at the rim. So all of his b ball index numbers, and if you're not familiar, b ball index.com has a bunch of proprietary metrics, and they also do a good job of kind of like um, essentially cataloging all the other Uh, stats and catch-alls and stuff too. But his rim shot-making was actually an A, according to B-ball index. 93% or 93rd percentile, excuse me, which is an A. Um, It evaluates a player's ability to finish once at the rim with adjustments for a degree of difficulty and where exactly the shots were taken from. So a 93rd percentile score, an A for rim shot-making, rim shot quality was 61st percentile, which is still a B minus. Field goal percentage at the rim, 72.31%. That's 90th percentile grades out as an a many of his other finishing stats at Ball index are in the b to b minus range which is extremely acceptable for your fourth offensive option you're talking about a guy who at the end of the year you could argue he was the fifth depending on how you feel about rudy gobert um but carl anthony towns and anthony edwards in some order are your first two early in the year D'Andre russell was your third and then it, again with gobert you could argue mcdaniels was your fifth option at the start of the year Now, at the end of the year, if you say Conley's fifth, I mean, McDaniels is fourth or he's third. Um, Either way, to get 72% field goal percentage at the rim, to get, um, uh, you know, 93rd percentile rim shot making number, um, all those other finishing stats are so impressive for Jaden McDaniels because, again, that's not the focus. Nobody talks about the offense. And no, it wasn't super consistent, but it has consistently improved year over year over now his third year in the league. And that's what you're looking for. When a guy's calling card is one side of the ball, to see the other side of the ball start to raise and know his offense isn't where his defense is yet, but if he could be that strong supporting role player on offense, he's quickly becoming that. He immediately becomes like a, a like borderline all-star type player. Like if we see this level of improvement again next year from Jaden McDaniels on offense, um we could be talking all-star caliber player. Like I know we only average 12 points per game and a lot of all-star is just like those counting stats. Right. Um, but if he shoots 40% from three and say he's averaging 15 or 16 points per game, which is he's improved his points per game average again, a quick and dirty volume based number, but essentially three points per game each year, two and a half points from your one to your two, three points from your three to your four. If he goes another three points, call it 15 points per game and shooting 40% from three and is one of the two best perimeter defenders in the entire league. We could be talking all-star for Jane McDaniels. Like that's not a crazy conversation to have at all. Um, and again, the incremental offensive improvement is such a big piece of that. All right. On defense, you don't need me to tell you how good Jaden McDaniels is defensively, but let's talk about it um, because he continues to just, just be so impressive. He continues to be one of the league's best players when it comes to navigating screens. Um, and that was something that was talked about. Actually, the Valley Sports North broadcast brought it up quite a bit. I think Cleaning the Glass had him as the best ranked. That website had him as the best ranked in terms of navigating screens. He did win the gold skill badge on B-Ball Index for being a pick dodger, which is pretty self-explanatory, but it's that. It's it's navigating screens. Um, and then if you pull up the perimeter defense uh, numbers on B-Ball Index, ball screen navigation, a plus 253 per game is his value, which I believe means that he's successfully navigating that much more than the average screen navigator, plus 2.53, 99th percentile at B-Ball Index, an A-plus for navigating screens. No matter how you slice it, Jaden McDaniels can get around your screen. He can get through your screen. He can contest shots over your screen. Um, He does a magnificent job of it. And, And of course, the one area where this can bite him a little bit Is the fouling, right? He's one of the most foul prone players in the entire league. He continues to see that foul rate increase. Now, obviously, his minutes have increased too, but he averaged almost three and a half personal fouls per game this year, which is right up there with the most foul prone players in the entire league. Um, So that is certainly something to keep an eye on, certainly something to be, I I don't know that I'd be concerned about it because, again, we'll talk about this in a moment, but the, The types of players he's guarding from a usage rate perspective, of course, he's going to be challenged when it comes to trying to stay out of foul trouble, but that is important to pay attention to. Um, Anyway, the ball screen navigation, to me, that's the most important and impressive number that we see when it comes to Jaden McDaniels defensively. Um, Off-ball chaser on defense. So when he's guarding somebody who's not on the ball and he's trying um, trying to contest, like the uh, the Luca Kyrie possession against the Mavs in February, whenever that was, shortly after the Kyrie trade, late February, um, when between McDaniel's and Anthony Edwards, they were just simply denying the catch for Luca and Kyrie and just making things difficult. They didn't even get a shot off. That is an example of Jaden McDaniels doing just that, where he's guarding somebody that's off the ball but a primary scorer, and you know maybe secondary playmaker, primary scorer. We'll talk more about that here in a minute when we talk usage tiers. Jaden McDaniels is a 91st percentile when it comes to off-ball chaser defense. That's an A at B-ball index because he denies the catch when he's guarding somebody. It's a high-usage player trying to, you know, when an opposing team is trying to run a play to get the ball in somebody's hands, McDaniels can make their lives absolutely miserable. All right, I want to talk usage tiers. I want to talk a couple other B-ball index numbers and also some quick lineup data stuff we'll do here next. All right, we talked a little about usage tiers on Friday. Um, because we were i was comparing McDaniels to uh, Dylan Brooks and they're similar in this regard 35% i'm running up from 34.9 so we'll call it 35% of McDaniels time on the court this year was spent guarding usage tier 1 players so players in the top tier of usage offensively in the NBA more than a third of his minutes which is insane for perspective that's 99th percentile league wide And then usage tier two, he spent 20% of his time. So a fifth of his time guarding usage tier two players, that's 94th percentile. So combine those two, 55% of the time, he was guarding usage tier one or usage tier two players, which is just incredible, incredible. Um, Another way to look at this is, well, there's a lot of different ways to break it down. The types of players he's guarding, um, secondary ball handlers, 19% 19% of the time, that's 87th percentile. Now, another way to say that is you're talking about a lot of times the secondary ball handler on an opposing team is also one of their primary scorers. Uh, shot creators, he guarded 8% of the time, that's 57th percentile. Slashers, almost 12% of the time, that's 75th percentile. He also guarded roll and cut bigs and post scores quite a bit because of his size. I mean, Chris Finch could literally plug him on anyone one, one through five, and he was going to be locked down for almost every two, three, and four he's guarding and competitive, if not still very good against ones and fives, because of his length, his increasing frame, like he's he's built a little better than he was as a rookie, I think is is a good way to say that. Um, also, position defended, he didn't, this is a little weird, right? Because um, just the way that positions are kind of broken down, but he guarded, he didn't guard any position more than 27% of the time. He guarded point guards 27% of the time, shooting guards 27% of the time. Small forwards twenty percent of the time, power forwards sixteen percent and centers about nine percent of the time, so he spent uh, a little more than fifty three percent of his time guarding guards this season uh again, positional definition can be a little bit wonky, but um it's a good example, a good snapshot of what he was doing on the defensive end of the floor um areas for improvement for him obviously continue to improve offensive shot selection continue to improve um consistency in terms of not fouling and then making sure that that 31% to 39 or almost 40% three point shooting was not fluky like it may not be 39% again it may not be 40% but if it's 38% like it needs to be closer to that 40% number than that 30% number obviously um, that kind of goes without saying but the shooting consistency and the continued improvement in terms of offensive decision making shot making overall distributing for teammates all needs to improve continually for Jaden McDaniels, for him to take that next step. And to be clear, like we'll talk about Ant later this week. The improvement that McDaniels has made year over year to me is more obvious than Ant's improvement. Like absolutely Anthony Edwards is better than he was as a rookie, but his lapses are more obvious and his down nights are more obvious usually um, in part because he's got the ball in his hands so much more often. But what McDaniels has done is he's basically transformed what he does on the offensive end of the floor from his rookie year to his third year and he's continued to get better defensively when he was good to start with, and he's great now on defense. So not that that's necessarily fair entirely to Ant because the expectations and, you know, ball in his hands a lot and the whole thing. But I think it's important to point out that the McDaniels improvement to me has been more tangible than the Ant improvement over the last three seasons. All right, the last thing, lineup data. I actually was not able to glean a whole lot from this like I was with some other players. Like all the two-man lineups to me are it's what you would expect. And I think it's mostly because McDaniels has such a profound impact on the game himself because of his defensive ability and the way he plays offensively. He can play with anybody and you could find success on some level, right? It's not like, um, you know, like D is a good example of somebody who could really only play with certain lineups or he'd get blown up defensively and his offense wouldn't be as effective. Um, we we've seen this with uh with Gobert can only play with certain ball handlers to really make him Im- impactful offensively. McDaniels because he's more of a catch and shoot cutter um you know like third option, third ball handler type guy offensively. He really has improved enough that that hasn't been a big deal and he's so good defensively that like it's basically his good net ratings are with good players on the on the Wolves and his bad net ratings are with fringe rotation guys, guys that we know struggled this season. So there's not a whole lot of a surprise there. I did look at the three-man lineups with him. And it's similar, but I think it's it's interesting. So his best three-man lineup, and this is any lineup for more than 40 minutes, which is a bit arbitrary, but I was trying to find, um, you know, that still gives us only 60 rows of data to work with. But his best one in 78 minutes with Anthony Edwards and Nate Knight, he was a plus 21.8. 78 minutes with McLaughlin and Carlton Towns, he was a plus 21.3. He also had some really positive ones with Jalen Owell. He actually had a bunch. Um, Actually, man, that's more than I thought. So his, I just named his top two lineups, his third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth best three-man lineups all included Jalen Noel. And Jalen Noel, we know, had a really terrible season, honestly. Um, So like the Noel, Edwards, McDaniels three-man played 284 minutes together and was a plus 14.4, which is so fascinating to me. And a huge part of that is because McDaniels papers over All of those deficiencies, well, not all of them, but the majority of the deficiencies with Noel defensively and on offense, it just gives you another creator um, in Noel that McDaniels can work off of. Now, Noel, of course, was more about shooting than he was distributing, but he also could draw the attention of offenses uh, or, excuse me, defenses and um, create a bit more space for guys like Ant, hopefully, and McDaniels to operate. So I just think that's really interesting, but again, no really obvious patterns in terms of lineup data when it comes to Jaden McDaniels. Uh, I think overall, expect more of this improvement on offense. Expect more defense, defensive improvement. I think as his reputation grows as a top flight defender, perhaps he'll get a slightly better whistle. I, you know, I hope this for Anthony Edwards and Carlton Towns offensively. I hope this for Towns and for uh McDaniels and maybe a lesser extent Gobert defensively that they the reputation grows that like hey this guy's legit, uh, you know Paul George called him what did it, I forget exactly what he said but basically called him one of the best defenders in the league a few weeks ago. Uh, he received a bunch of votes for all all defense. Like if he could just get a few better or a few less whistles defensively, that would be such a big difference for McDaniel's next year. Um, and obviously he had the issue with punching the wall in the last regular season game and that was a major problem in the, in the in the postseason. I'm not saying the Wolves would have beaten the Nuggets, but. Maybe you win one more game in there. You're more competitive in game one, probably, surely. Um, Whatever the case may be, hopefully that's a lesson learned from McDaniels and uh, he can grow from what happened there at the end of the season. And I don't think it's out of the realm that we're talking all-star for him next season if this growth continues. As I said earlier, I think he will make an all-NBA defensive team next year. I think he will potentially get votes for defensive player of the year. And I think if the offensive growth continues... And remember, no DeAndre Russell. He now becomes the fourth option at offense. Like, they're going to run stuff for him more than they are for Mike Conley. Conley's going to get his option or his opportunities. But look out for McDaniels next year. I, I really truly believe that with all the attention, and rightfully so, on Ant and Carlton Towns and Rudy, a lot has been missed about McDaniels' growth on offense. Um, I think he's going to have a big year next year. All right. That's all we got for you today. We'll continue the player review series on Tuesday. We only got two more. We'll do Carlton Towns Tuesday, and we will do Anthony Edwards on Wednesday. Um, and again, big national guests later this week. So be sure to uh, to tune in all week long, Monday through Friday. A big thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, you can find this show everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV you can also follow on Twitter at LockdownTWolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.